0: So Audrey, how long have you been practicing yoga?
1: Um, probably around eight years. Um, I think I started in Australia and stumbled upon it um, as a means to, I guess, strengthen my body. And over time, it's really become more like a part of you know, my spiritual practice, my um, connecting with my community. It's become part of... Um, I guess, practicing my voice um, and singing Kirtan with other people. So it's really kind of a whole it's become like a holistic, integral part of living, really.
0: Uh, did anyone in particular introduce you into, I mean, to yoga or was there, you felt stressed and you thought this would be helpful? How did that come about?
1: I was going through a really fundamental phase of discovering, I guess, my spiritual self in Australia, and it came about at a time where I think I was looking for lots of answers, and I was I wasn't looking in the right places at the time. I was actually looking more, um, you know, in my body, like finding finding ways to fight pain that I've had. And um, and I I started um, a sober phase, so I didn't drink for a few months as part of a cleanse. And um, I think that was around the time that yoga came into my life. So what I remember from the time is not a particular yo like yogi teaching me, um, although I now do have teachers that I really trust. Um, one in particular in um, in Mexico, but really I. Th- I think my spiritual journey started there with um, reading about the law of attraction and positive thinking. And so those experiences are quite intertwined um, in my memory.
0: So the law of attraction, uh, that's pretty, it's pretty interesting, powerful teaching at the same time. How did that impact you?
1: Yeah, I think it started with um, really understanding that, there's an impact of what I think and what I do and that the things that are happening around me aren't just random coincidences, but they're actually often initiated by my own being. So, you know, the realization of the reality that I perceive every day to a really large degree is um, created by myself. And I think that's such a powerful realization. Um, and I think it all started actually with reading my first, my first ever self-help book that I remember. And that was by Louise Hay. I don't know if you've read that. Um, I think it's called You Can Heal Your Life.
0: Oh, I've heard of Louise Hay. I've never read the yeah, book. though.
1: Yeah, she's, uh, she's wonderful. So she was sort of, I guess, my first spiritual teacher. And um, I don't know if she particularly mentions the law of attraction, but she does, you know, she's, she's very holistic in her way of, positive thinking and accepting you know where you are um making peace with your parents she kind of has this whole concept of um you know you pick your parents really when you come into this world so that's kind of where it started um but it's been it's been yeah i would say it's been around 10 years since then
0: okay so where where did you grow up
1: I grew up in Germany. I grew up in a um, town called Bielefeld um, in Germany in the Northwest. um, And I spent my first 25 years in that in that town. Um, It's it's what's special about it is that there's a conspiracy theory uh, that it doesn't exist. And so whenever I travel and I run into Germans, they always deny the existence of my hometown. So something I have to deal with on the regular.
0: Really? Oh, Okay. So, does most is that where the base of your family is in Germany? Yeah.
1: So my immediate, um, my immediate family, my um, my sister and my parents, they they live in Bielefeld, um, and I and I usually go home about once a year, but it's been um it'll be ten years soon since I've um since I've left Germany, so I haven't lived there in, in a really long time.
0: Okay. So what gave you the thirst and desire to travel, to want to travel?
1: Mm. Mm. I think it gradually snuck into my life. Um, I've always been really curious about people. And so for me, traveling is really more about people than places. Um, And I went on an I went on an exchange to like a student, like a study abroad program in the US in um, 2008. And we traveled around California and Hawaii. And I remember being hooked after, and it was almost, you know, it was to some degree like a drug that I'd taken. It was like, oh, wow, this thing, you know, called travel exists. And of course, I had always traveled to see my family in the United States um i'd been on holidays here and there but i didn't really fundamentally understand that feeling that complete feeling of freedom when you step off the plane somewhere or you know out of a bus and you're just free you're free to explore you you know the, the, it's completely unpredictable so um, i think those those years in my early 20s they kind of sparked something and then as i um, ventured out and and i left my home country in um, 2010 um that's when it really started that's when i when i realized you know i can go to another place in the world and and build my life from scratch and um you know kind of reinvent myself to some degree so travel in a sense to me is like a blank slate you know you get a day and like this is your day and you operate um with you know less constraints i guess because the idea of who you are and the people that know you and you know, the day-to-day that we all struggle, I guess we all struggle in our own ways, becoming who we want to be, um, but those are removed. And so, you know, that really, I think, fundamentally helped me um, grow as a person and always, you know, looking for adventure and experiences and connection and, and learning, learning from people around the world and really kind of opening my perspective and and figuring out that, you know, what I had learned and what I was, you know, what I believed in is, is really, that's shaped me, but there's so many other ways out there and, you know, I'd be stupid to miss out on them. So did,
0: did you have any fears of traveling alone? Because I assume when you had this desire and it was formulated, not probably all of your friends or anyone wanted to go to the degree that you probably desire to go Mm
1: -hmm. i mean yeah fears i feel i think i see fear as a constant companion in life you know it's always there (laughs) it's just the question whether it's you know like driving in the front seat or whether you kind of seat them at the back um i felt pretty supported um with my decision um generally i i mean i speak to so many travelers around the world and also many people that have moved countries and kind of you know, started new lives in in, in other places. Um, and I hear that a lot that people, you know, are questioned by family, questioned by, you know, society or, or their their bosses. Um, I always felt supported. I, I also have always been a really independent person. So I don't think that people, I think that the people around me mostly know that if I set my mind to do something, then there's probably no stopping. Um, and so the fear the fear of the unknown. Um, I always rationalized it. I guess to you know what the worst thing that can happen, really, if I re- if I truly fail, is I spend all my money and then I buy a ticket back home and then, um, you know I can I can you know pick up my life where I left it. Um, but that luckily never happened. I do I will say though that you know it's a it's a massive privilege coming from a country like Germany, um, being you know an educated woman. Um, knowing that you know, I can probably get a job in most corners of the world, um, and that's that's something I've I've learned to become aware of over time, um, to not just assume everyone you know has the same privileges like me. And and I meet a lot of people around the world, in other countries that just don't have the same freedom of moving around. You know, they might not have a passport that's even um, you know, that allows them to travel in the same way. Um, yeah, Sophia. It's always with me, but I try to act despite it.
0: That's great to hear because we have to overcome our fears to do anything worthwhile most of the time. So we'll be faced with it. So that's commendable because some people are so fearful. They won't even travel to another state, <laughs> which is sad. I know. <laughs> you I know?
1: can't imagine. I, I, yeah, I'd love to. You know, I'd love to I'd love to help people, you know, do that and give yeah. them courage and and, you know, even take them by the hand and be like, you know what? There's things going to happen today that will blow your mind, you know?
0: Yeah. So what like what experiences in your life or teachings led you to get involved with social justice? Because anytime we become passionate about something, there's always a reason for
1: Hmm. Mm, yeah. So I can pinpoint it to a particular year, a few years ago, where um I I witnessed um incidents of sexual violence in my environment, and you know, of course, I have my own experiences. Um, and I think my whole life, I've been someone who's quite vocal, so um, I generally tend to speak up and and I don't you know um I've never been the one to like fit in so I think that I come with like a natural talent to really you know see myself as as my unique self and not you know not so much um being put into categories by society and 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 I've always questioned things around me but that particular phase in life um I, I saw the injustice happening like right next to me, and I saw the the destructive um, power of of that. And I th- I think it's really hard to pinpoint looking back. And I had always been really passionate about, you know, like women's education and kind of, you know, just having the same the same chances as men. Um, but I hadn't seen the wo- I hadn't really seen the world through that lens. Um, before I really started to look into the exact concepts and how they manifest in our daily lives. And so what happened in that year was that I I started reading articles and, and looked into the numbers. And I realized that, I mean, this was not really news to me, but really seeing it black on white, that like one out of three women experiences attempt, uh, att- a rape or attempted rape at some point in their lives. Um that's a shocking number. The fact that I think over um, 10% of our world population are women that have uh, girls that have been married um, under age to someone Like, can you imagine 10% of our entire world population. I mean, those numbers are insane to me. And so as I was looking into all these things, and there was a momentum building for me, and I'll never forget. There was a point where I was walking around on an island in um, Sweden. I was just visiting a friend, and I was in this phase of like reshuffling what I was doing with my life. and And I just remember, you know, those. I I, I think most everyone with a real, true, like purpose or mission will remember these moments. It just hit me, and I was like, I'm done with not doing anything about it and here I am I've worked my entire life um you know making a, a career and working for who working for for mostly men for mostly white men um with incredible privilege already so uh, you know th- this question came to me of like you know if I really would be working for who I want to be working for would I be working for these people and I don't mean that in a in a in a mean way mean way towards um, you know any of my previous bosses it's some of them have been incredible humans that have helped me on my journey but at the same time you know I felt it was it was time to shift into really doing the work for someone that I truly cared about most and um, a few years before I'd looked into like you know who do who do I who would I like to work for and I was like you know what about formerly incarcerated people or you know anyone really with with less privilege so you know women and um, people of color and um, people with disabilities this is as I was brainstorming and so when I was back to that island I was walking I was like I'm gonna do something and I and this whole topic of um gender equality and and women's safety was the one at the time that was um, the most important one to me. And so I went, when I went back to Canada, I started um, and I, I picked up volunteering work in a women's shelter and, um, and, you know, like the law of attraction works, you know, this every little moment I would be reminded why I was, why what I doing was right. And I started to talk about these topics more and I went on a bus, um, back from that island. Um, and I remember sitting next to a really young woman, she was about 19. And, you know, we just talked about life. And I asked her about her studies. And she's like, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm in the middle of creating something new. I'm, I'm sort of looking into these topics. And I told her about what I'd experienced in my environment and it got, it got, you know, it got very emotional and, and her her, she, her, her eyes filled with tears. And she was like, Oh, something just happened to me in June. And that's kind of the moment I remember when I was like, okay, like, I don't need more signs. Like this is, um, this is, this is what I need to be doing. Um, and, yeah. So
0: why do you believe that um, some people who are sexually assaulted or raped or harassed don't come forth uh, right away. And some of them may never even come forth.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Um, it's, it's pretty simple, I think. So, I mean, the emotional work that's involved in sharing these things um, you know that's something I might not feel ready for as a person, as a victim, or as a survivor of um, sexual assault. So experience shows that a lot of women are actually traumatized, um, similarly or even worse, by the justice system, by the um, by law enforcement. So a lot of the police aren't trained to, um, you know, to have to have conversations that respect. The needs of survivors so as you know as a woman if I if I've just experienced something and I go to my local police you know to my local police office and there's only male officers and they might ask me some really uncomfortable questions and I've seen you know I've seen I've seen instances of victim blaming where you know the police officers will say so okay so why why were you wearing a short skirt and I feel so ridiculous having to say this even out loud but these conversations are still happening so nothing has changed um society still often puts the blame on um on victims rather than on the perpetrators so you know we when we talk about these topics we mostly talk about women but it's like well who's you know a lot of a lot of the crime is is carried out by men like they're the perpetrators and so why, you know, why are women at the center of these conversations? We should be talking about about the men, um, you know, committing the crimes. So that's one of the reasons. Um, and I also think, you know, everyone's entitled to their own healing journey, and it might not include talking about it publicly. It's very uncomfortable, and people will ultimately question um, and not believe, um, not believe women, um, for one, or question, you know, whether... Um, you know, whether there there was alcohol involved or anything, it's like, well, you know, it's not if someone breaks into your house, it's not the first thing that I say is, oh, but why, you know, why was your, why was your nice car parked outside? It's like, that's not a reason. You <laughs> know. Sure. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to un- unpack, I think, in that, in that, in that part, or in that, in that, um, in that area. And you know, we've started the conversation with Me Too. By the way, the the hashtag Me Too broke about two weeks after that experience I told you on the island. So that was like the biggest wow. sign from the universe, yeah, to be like, okay, okay, I guess like this is happening. So many things have shifted since then, and, and many things have stayed the same. So
0: yeah, it's a, it's probably it's definitely going to be a journey, but you know. It has already begun, so that's the best part of it, you know. So you, you, earlier you you talked about your uniqueness, and I wonder, was your unique self cultivated as a kid, as a child, because parents often see things in their kids, uh, little proclivities and gifts and all these different things, and sometimes parents don't understand the gifts of their kids and they could stifle it so i was Mm -hmm. wondering was your uh unique self because you talked about you embracing your unique self was that cultivated or helped uh by your parents (laughs)
1: um i think to some degree yes and to some degree no um that's yeah. It's interesting because I'm I'm trying to uh, right now like look back and really find the you know find the little the little snippets of my past to explain why you know why are things a certain way that they are today. Um, I definitely feel like my parents have been really supportive in um, you know giving me art supplies and um, you know getting me a library card. Um, so I think you know many parents out there don't you know don't like have barely have time to spend time with their children and and barely have the money to feed them so I do think I was lucky in the way that my mom always invested money in you know getting me the best um the best uh, colors and um you know always supporting me in my artistic endeavors um in other levels um maybe maybe less so um I think I've only recently stumbled upon this concept of being a highly sensitive and and empathic person. And that's really, I guess that's really um, changed my life um, looking back onto my own life now. Um, And I don't think that my parents were always aware of um, the sensitive and creative and intuitive self that I was as a little girl. And so that's sometimes a painful memory to look back and be like, wow, that, there was quite there were quite a few hardships as well that I um that I think you know grew my resilience in 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 to some degree today you so um yeah I do have a dad who's very inventive and who did you know experiments with me to show me how fireworks and oxygen <laughs> what oxygen is and so I do I do feel like I got a very curious soul um not not only because of who I am but also because of all the all the fun and weird things my parents did.
0: True. So when you were talking about being a empathic person, I thought about uh, the singer songwriter Lionel Richie. I don't know if you've ever heard. I've of him. heard of him. Yeah. Okay. So he was doing an interview uh, several years ago now, and he was talking about how sensitive he was as a child. He would cry all the time at just the simplest things, but his parents didn't stifle it because the, when, you know, you see a boy crying, you tell him, you know, you know, be tough or whatever, especially mm. the generation that he came up in. Right. Yeah. So, but he began the, the best thing about it, his, it wasn't stifled. So It was a gift, but it just manifested itself as crying, Mm -hmm. right? But he was just very sensitive because that's the way he was able to hear the sound, hear the words to the songs that he was supposed to write and to be intuitive. And that was the very gift that he was able to not shut down. And it really just catapulted him to worldwide okay. stardom mm-hmm. and fame. And he is in the center of his gifts. So um, that's what I thought about when you were, uh, you know, talking about being an empathic person and being, you know, sensitive as well. Mm. Everything matters. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I didn't know that part of his story, um, but it makes it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's it's something I'm passionate about because you know when we talk about gender equality and 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 these topics that we touched upon before, um, you know, a lot of times men feel left out, and the truth is that you know men need this this movement just as much as women, and I think you know being a sensitive man is is you're probably more shunned even than, than women in in society Um, at some level, you know, we still tell little boys not to cry and it's, you know, it's pathetic. It's painful if if, when I watch um, people on, you know, on buses and trains and I see a lot of times you you very quickly um, realize how, you know, parents treat their children and they treat girls and boys differently and I can definitely see how being a sensitive boy who cries is probably um must be such a such a painful experience for him because that's not how men are meant to be you know men are meant to be strong and not cry and um yeah, we're missing out. We're missing out on a lot of, um, you know, amazing gifts. And who, who, you know, who who else out there is trying to be a man that society wants them to be rather than being the man who they truly are? And, you know, what gifts, what music, what conversations, what poetry, what, you know, relationships are we missing out in this world because of that lack of acceptance Um Yeah, that to me is overwhelming. Um, I wish, yeah, I wish the world was more gentle and I wish that the world was more kind to sensitive men and to men in general in the way that, you know, we need to allow men to show their emotions. We need to create healthy conversations about mental health. We need to, um, yeah, create create spaces to talk about trauma and, um, and allow men to, to, you know, have the same connection and community that we often experience as women. But, you know, it's just, I don't, and I don't want to throw everyone in one, in one basket, but I, I do wonder, like, you know, it, it happens to me. I travel, I'll make a friend. And I remember crying with strangers, holding, you know, a hand over a lunch with someone I met on a Facebook group, a woman. Um, because of the, story, the stories we shared and the intimate conversations we'd have about our struggles, and I and I wonder whether some of the men that I see around me, you know, if they start their, their day or if they meet if they hang out with their friends, whether they start a conversation and they say, "Oh, you know, I've just I haven't felt great. I cried yesterday." <laughs> you know, it's just it's uh, it's not the typical conversation that we expect from men.
0: So, Arju, what are some ways each individual can help combat sexism?
1: That's a super broad, wonderful question. Um, Let me think. I think, number one, um, you know, I think listening is a really powerful tool in general. So seeking out um, and speaking to people that are more unlike you, um, is probably one of the best ways to start and just sharing experiences. So if you're a man, you know, and um, you have women in the office, or, you know, in your workplace, wherever, uh, or, or you know, may, maybe not necessarily clients, but, um, you know, why not, why not um, listen carefully and ask them about their experiences, ask how they're doing. And see if um if you can learn something from their perspective so i think that whole aspect of having conversations around these topics for me as a white person you know listening to and seeking out stories of people of color and not just reading books written by people that are exactly like me um that's a really good place to start and then education in general so i think following um certain news outlets and learning about, um, learning about injustices from the people that are fighting them at the front is really helpful. So a lot of times, you know, I'm not aware of everything in the world um, and I seek out, you know, certain, certain people, activists, voices that um, I know I can trust and that I know who can teach me a lot um, and who are not um, skewed like, you know, am I gonna learn? Am I gonna learn about police brutality by speaking to, um, you know, by by watching Fox News? Probably not. So you know, I need to. And then maybe I can, you know, watch CNN. But I might be, I might even learn more if I seek out someone who's doing work in that field, who's really speaking to people, um, who are really talking about solutions. So the people impacted. So I think that's one way. Um, and then when it comes to real, like specific things that you can do about sexism, let's say in the office, then, um, I think, you know, hire women, hire women of color, hire, um, 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 sorry, pay, pay them more, um, like see that you're, you know, paying, um, paying fair salaries and, um, Make sure that people are, are, are listened to in uh, meetings. So you know, if you see your your female colleague is constantly being interrupted, then you know it's it's maybe time to say, "Hey, I would like to hear more of what Audrey has to say." Um, so there are many things in our daily lives that we can um that we can shift. This is some of the work that we do with our project, the F School, where we um teach mostly women um sort of the day to day tools and strategies on how to you know stand up and claim more space and and speak up and and do things that um yeah will ultimately move us all to a more just and and fair system okay
0: so do you believe it's possible to stop racism and sexism and if so how could we how could it be done
1: yeah wow <laughs> if there's a way that we could do it, I wish, um, yeah, I, I would do everything to make that happen. Um, I think we can only start with ourselves really like at the end of the day, I, it's only in my power, what I do. Um, and you know, therefore I try and hold myself to a really high standard when it comes to these things, but also I'm not perfect. And, um, I've come to I've come to I don't know if you know this feeling of, um, you know, just getting to a point where it feels so overwhelming and looking into the injustice more and more. You almost go down this rabbit hole of like the world is so terrible. <laughs> and that's also not something that's not a mindset I, w- I want to adopt. And so to me, especially in the last few months, it's been a fine balance developing Um. You know, healthy activism and staying on top of things, but also taking time to care for myself, and um, and that's and it, I think self care is an integral part of activism and and justice and social justice and all the work in this field because we're n- none of us are superhuman, so we have to look after ourselves to make sure that we have the you know have the power and I'm the right mind space to to face these realities um when we're when we're fighting or when we're you know standing up but um we also need downtime um i think i mean i feel like the world is moving forward in the way that you know diversity is becoming more discussed and it's becoming a commonly known concept to many people whereas i I do think there's still some people out there who don't really get it and who still deny that racism exists, which blows my mind, but um I think I don't know, I don't know if we are on the way. I'd love to hear what you think um whether you know we are are we moving forward with the current administration in the u s We're definitely not um,
0: yeah. Yeah, I I believe definitely it's images are being placed out there more now than ever in this day and age of there are things happening because of social media and the access we have to each other in the world through it. Mm -hmm. So images. So that's a start, although, you know, it's not moving as quickly as everyone who's being affected by it would like it to move. But I like what you said, each person be accountable for themselves. And that's the key because sometimes we could be raised by parents who have that idea of dominating another class or dominating another gender and so forth. And we can only give what we have received so that could affect us in some way Mm. but yet when we become adults we now have the responsibility once we take in other information and make a change because oftentimes we don't get every single good thing from our parents We always get a mixture, but they do the best that they can. So it's important for us to have some empathy for others and be able to relate because the pain in another, although it doesn't affect you directly, if you just have this human just concern, you can just be a listening ear and maybe it could give you some insight to make you want to change, so yeah. uh, that's my answer to it.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, and I and I, I agree. At, like becoming the person that I want to be as well, like takes so much undoing. Yes. Not just parents, also media, and you know all the influences. Like, yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. And it's hard to have the compassion, though. You know, if I if I know that someone. You know, a white supremacist is raised in you know by by their family because of those values, and they become who they who they are. And um, I, you know, I have to train myself to have compassion, even though I despise you know the political view that behinds it, that that's behind it, and the and the views that they perpetuate in the world. So that's a good reminder to really have compassion and um, and you know know that we all are in our ways because of so many factors that have you know been done upon us but this is to me is the key to personal growth it's like knowing that if i want something i can really truly achieve it like i just i have i just have to take the steps and they might be really really difficult but change is always possible
0: yes i agree you you have to want it you know if you want that change you will definitely stick it out and just continue the journey until you really get what you want. This has been a phenomenal interview. I think we need to do another one at some point in the future, because I think we only scratched the surface of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We only scratched the surface of everything I wanted to get into for sure. Um, but before we wrap up, I just tell, um, Tell us about your three businesses.
1: Oh I'd love to <laughs> um, So recently um, I've been doing um, I've been following my passion of writing so I've always had this inner urge to write and I just started um, freelancing a couple months ago and it's been hugely successful so I do some freelance writing for, Um, other people who um, have websites, um, you know, tell their stories online. So I help other people kind of tell their story and really bring their brand and their personality to life. Um, That's one business. The second um, business that I've been passionately running for about a year and a half um, is called the F school. So that came from that desire of mine to share all the learnings that I had had in my journey as a woman and uncovering how, a lot of things weren't my fault, but um, how society's conditioning and parents and school and like hadn't taught me the skills that I really needed to become a fully confident and self-loving w- woman in this world. And so um, we started, we as me and, and a business partner of mine, a good friend, Anna, in Canada, we started the F School, which is an online feminist school that teaches you those day-to-day skills. In a really fun way, in like under ten minutes a day, um, where you can sign up on our website, and then you, um, you know, you get like I guess the first initial training. Um, And a lot of that content is free, so um, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of passion behind that, and um, it's really fun. And then the third business that I'm just building right now is um, is becoming a coach. So I have literally been wanting to be a coach for probably. 16 years and people around me have always told me you would make an excellent coach and it's taken me so long to take action but um yeah I'm building a business as a sort of holistic um, coach for um, empaths and sensitive people um, in helping them um, you know develop the tools and the understanding of themselves and how to thrive in this world how to you know have confidence and really Um, create a practice of self-love in a holistic way so not only looking at you know what's in your mind and what your soul needs but also your body so I'm also passionate about you know the there's so many factors to really thriving um, your mental health your hormonal health so many things and so um, that's kind of my um my my business that I'm just growing and that I'm really 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 excited to be launching shortly
0: wow that sounds wonderful so what is your contact information so if people would like to reach out to you for your services and we could you know the you know the audience could support you
1: yes I would love that so um I have we have a website where you can sign up for the F School. It's called um, the Fschchool.com. Um, so that's simple. And if you need anything from me personally, um, you can always email me at hello at audreyjohnson.co. And um other other than that, I'm quite active on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is audreyjohnson.co. No M in the end. Um And that's where you'll find me on the gram. (laughs) So happy to say hi. Come say hi.
0: Thank you so much. You've been a phenomenal guest. And we just scratched the surface. But I believe this is going to be really helpful to so many people until we uh, link up again and do it again.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Maurice. Thanks for having me.
0: Welcome to the new mind creator, episode number 115 interview with Audrey Johnson. I'm your host, Maurice, the new mind creator. Remember to subscribe to my podcast so that you can receive alerts when new episodes are available each week on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern time. I ask that you support my podcast by pledging monthly or your one time donation. Also, don't forget to share your favorite episodes. If you liked the episode, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter, Maurice Flournoy, and Facebook, New Mind Creator. Audrey is a German-American, world-traveling storyteller who's passionate about personal growth, gender equality, and spilling more love into the world. Having studied business, she's worked in corporate and tech startups all over the world, but also struggled to find her place as a highly sensitive and empathic person. She's now running her own independent business from her laptop, writing and teaching women around the world how to practice self-love, develop unshakable confidence, and find more freedom. As a recovering people pleaser, she still struggles to find her own, fill her own cup, first sometimes. But when it is, it's never half empty, always half full. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflournoy.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.